With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to 3 and Out Lives, your national NFL podcast. It is our weekly halftime live show. Super, super excited to get it going on the halftime app, just like we always do. I see Shadi is already here on stage. I see Samantha is already here on stage. Shadi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Ty. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Samantha, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing great. I am excited for uh, uh, to, to get into this. Dolphins are up 10-zip as we speak. Just punted, though. Uh, we got that cool little MNF graphic with, like, all of the offensive players exploding out of the, the quarterback uh, as we went to commercial here. I uh, always appreciate the, uh, the the cool presentation. Uh, any, any big surprises so far? Any hot takes so far just from what we've seen at, to this point? So far, I only have lukewarm takes because I feel like this game has been <laughs> lukewarm. <laughs> so that's the name of the Saints' quarterback tonight, right? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. <laughs> lukewarm. Ian Book. What's the difference? Click Boys. Three it out. My favorite podcast. Yes, absolutely. So glad to have you, Click Boy. I was gonna be so disappointed if Click Boy did not join us tonight uh, with the Cowboys running rampant all over everyone. Key takeaways is up in our feed already, and we did talk quite a bit about the Cowboys and their their just domination of football team and how exciting and interesting they are coming into this playoffs. Uh, and, and Samantha, I've got your uh, headliner clip of, of you going up in just a little bit here, probably after we wrap the live show and your assessment of the juggernaut defense and then the intriguing offense. Uh, that should be uh, pretty fun to get to. So if I can be my normal quarterback nerdy self here, yes. um, I was actually a little bit excited to watch what Ian Book could do, not because I'm a huge fan of his, uh, actually quite the opposite, um, but what he's known for is really being able to like get out, extend plays, run around a little bit. Like That's where he was at his best at Notre Dame. And uh, I was live from the Senior Bowl where he was one of the, the passers in session, and he didn't look terrible when he was allowed to do that. But at the same time, when you're wearing a red jersey in a all-star game format and are running around, like running for first downs <laughs> during practice, that is generally frowned upon. Um, so I was excited to sort of see if they would put in some packages sort of almost similar to what they had for Taysom Hill. Like, really, if you're looking for a guy who can extend plays, run some RPOs, and and just rip the ball down the field, he's actually probably a better option than Taysom Hill. He's just not the athlete. And that's what we've really seen is when the Dolphins have come after him, he's tried to do what he does best, and his best just isn't good enough for the NFL. And I think Brian Greasy pointed that out. And it's just that there's a certain threshold you need to clear to be an NFL-caliber player, and I'm not sure. 
I really enjoyed Peter King's, uh, you know, mon- whatever, what is it? F- football morning in America, Monday football morning quarterback in America. I forget exactly what the official title is now, but the 10,000 word, word column he's been writing every week for like 30 years. Um, he's like, oh yeah, you know, um, Sean Payton was uh, all excited during training camp this year, he was he was buzzing to me about how Book can make so many of the throws that he asks quarterbacks to make, and and you know I know he believes that like he can succeed. In, and I'm like, how many quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks did because that would have been training camp? You would have had Jameis. You yeah, he'd be fourth, right? Yeah, he'd be the fourth quarterback. Is, is Sean Payton really telling Peter King in August like, yo, <laughs> the fourth quarterback? This kid on the practice squad, mm, you know. If it, if, if it doesn't work out with Javis and it doesn't work out with Taysom Hill, who I'm going to con- spend all year riding out telling everyone it's going to work, like, yeah, cool. Um, then he's going to be the backup to the third guy, and I'm totally confident he can play at a high level. And, I mean, I suppose if there was anybody who would do that, it would be Sean Payton. Right. right? And like, that, sure. And, and that is a man who spreads his quarterback love around to some of the yes. weirdest people and is <laughs> not shy to send it to numerous people. Like, he is uh, he is a quarterback love polygamist in the world. I, yeah, I mean, just the Taysom Hill thing alone. I mean, I, to an extent, I, I understand the whole, like, you know, who, who's the guy, right? Whoever the guy is, you back him up, of course. But I think some of it has been a little on the effusive side where it, it would probably go over better, especially after things have already gone kind of badly, for you to be a little bit more honest and say, like, look, we're a little hamstrung here. We're doing the best we can. We think he can help us instead of being like, 32 teams would have traded for him. Like, yeah. no, no. What I get, here's, and I'm... I'm, I'm projecting here because this is me right where i go hey i bet i could do this and man if i could do this it would be so sweet and everybody's like wow ty like really did that wow it's amazing that ty did that you know it's amazing that ty did that with one hand tied behind its back or it's amazing that ty did that considering xyz you know i feel like sean payton looks at each one of these guys and thinks yeah if i can get the best of him and smooth out the bad parts and I can coach him up and I can and scheme everybody open and I can make the protections work and I can do then like I we we could be it could be good enough. We could actually win football. Yeah, we could win more games than we lose. We could be a winning team with like this guy who fundamentally can't play. And like, wow, like everybody's gonna be like Sean Payton is such a genius that like he won a Super Bowl with Taysom Hill or with Book or or lukewarm or whoever it is, right? And like, I think that's what he's so excited about. Not necessarily how good the player is, but how good it's going to make him if he can ring decent results. Well, and to be fair to Sean Payton, he has been better than pretty much anybody else in his role at getting that out of people who are quite frankly, not that great. Um, So, you know, at various points when he has lost Drew Brees, he has been able to do amazing things with backups who we have seen elsewhere, who have looked unimpressive, unspectacular. And a a lot of it is more about knowing what their limitations are and being able to put together a good enough team around them that you can kind of cover up the flaws. And I, 
I feel like they've kind of gotten to the point now where they've just hit a wall where, okay, I think it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to roll with Jameis and I'm going to make Jameis into the guy. Okay. But we're not in the like, oh, we need to get four games out of Teddy Bridgewater situation anymore. Now we're in the like non-quarterback, quarterback, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, who we're definitely not describing as a quarterback. I don't know what we're calling him and good old lukewarm. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Xfinity had a couple of questions. One, why did Kamara shove that Miami play? I, I didn't see and basically have the sound down at this point while we're going live. So uh, I don't have any more details than you do watching live at home. Um, uh, so let's let's stick with uh, Xfinity CEO's first question, which is, can the Cowboys keep it up? Clickboy, I know, says if, if they don't, I'm going bald. Clickboy is all in. And of course, why wouldn't Clickboy be? But uh, can can the Cowboys keep it up? Can we see more of? Oh my! Okay, they just showed the replay, and it looks like '94 on Miami actually stole Alvin Kamara's hand towel, just like sleight of handed it off his belt, and then Kamara came back and shoved it. So that's that's the answer. But okay, so let's go, Samantha first. Can the Cowboys? I think they can. Um, we talked about this a lot on Key Takeaways today, so I will try not to be too repetitive, but mostly where, where I was focused, and Ty, I think you had a really good point about needing to see them boat race somebody, um, which yeah. I think was important, yeah. that the best teams tend to do that a couple of times in a season before they eventually go on to potentially win a Super Bowl. But for me, a lot of it is about the defense. Um, because this offense is good enough um, and they can be great at times, they're a little bit inconsistent. But what I think is going to get them there is that defense. And, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier on the show is that really defensive, if you're talking about top five defenses, particularly top five scoring defenses, they do really, really well in the postseason. They're actually six and one in the Super Bowl, and that's when going up against top five scoring offenses. The one exception, I think, is the 1990 49ers, I believe. Um, and, and the Dallas defense certainly is that. And what we saw last night looked like they were putting on a clinic. And I know the teams that they are going to face and the offenses they are going to face are going to be much better than what we saw out of the very hobbled uh, Washington football team or the Washington team or the Washington unprofessional football team or all the things that people have been calling them today. So, so sad. Poor football team. But... Yeah, I think that's kind of what I needed to see out of Dallas is that consistently to see that defense get those takeaways, continue to score. I Demarcus Lawrence, that just unreal takeaway on that pick six there. That's the kind of stuff that tells me the Cowboys are going to do very well in the postseason. The flip side of that is they've got a game that does not quite play into their hands nearly as much this upcoming weekend. Uh, going to go to the, Dallas, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, this is not a team that gives the ball away with any sort of frequency. Like the, the air raid offense is not meant to take big, huge shots down the field. It's meant to be really efficient through the air. And it's also meant to get the ball out quickly. So you're not going to sit back and let that, that Cowboys pass rush really tee off on you. You're not just going to heave it into, you know, you know, really bad coverage. What you're going to do is you're going to try to matriculate that ball down the field. And hopefully, if Kyler Murray is a little bit more healthy than we've seen in the last couple of weeks, maybe move the ball a little bit around with your legs as well. But I need to see two things. One, against that Arizona defense 
can your running game take over a little bit? Because you don't want to sit back and just throw, throw, throw against that Arizona Cardinals defense any more than you do against Dallas. So can your running game get established, take over a little bit? Because you're going to need that in the postseason during certain matchups as well. And more importantly, can you thrive as a defense when you're not taking the ball away three, four, five times a game? It's... I, I say it because, you know, it's almost tongue-in-cheek, but it's really easy to have a great defense when you're constantly getting takeaways, but some of that's not as sustainable as it is, uh, you know, almost by chance. Like, you don't, you can't depend on takeaways the same way you can depend on stopping the run. You can't depend on takeaways the same way you can depend upon good shutdown coverage. Can the Cowboys defense sustain itself in a game where it's not getting consistent turnovers because again once you get to the playoffs teams are not just going to be turning the ball over the way that Washington football team you're right shoddy of course and you know some of that is is fumble luck you know causing fumbles is something that good teams do more often you know whether that's strip sacks or um, you know coaching up like that that rip move as you're bringing somebody down causing fumbles but recovering fumbles is still pretty much random especially across the course of the season uh, versus individual games and that that's not sustainable i know one thing a lot in the analytics community a lot of people were pointing the cardinals as a team that had kind of almost outrageous levels of fumble luck recovering a huge portion of the fumbles that they caused and thinking that is you know something that can regress and you know interceptions can be streaky get bunches against one team. You know, the Packers' total number of interceptions this year is going up because Baker threw them four. And that's going to make averages look better. That's going to make individual players look better. But you can't count on that. And my my counter to that is when you see what Randy Gregory did two weeks ago, or, you know, last week, what you see what, what DeMarcus Lawrence did this week, it's like when you have those just unbelievable individual plays, right? When you have those playmakers who are making things happen all by themselves, who can turn it on and and just absolutely flip the field or absolutely go, okay, it's third and long, it's the fourth quarter, or even third and short, I need to make a huge play that flips the field here, and then they do. That is more repeatable than than maybe you might think and it's it's more repeatable than fumble luck in general you have just unbelievably skilled players making plus plays over and over well yeah and i've been screaming about turnover luck for years too and so i I think like the point that I think you're trying to make and which I agree with is that like there's a difference between creating turnovers <laughs> and recovering yeah. turnovers and the more of them you create the better the chances are because there will be a higher volume of them that you will be able to recover some in those individual plays like we'll come back to that DeMarcus Lawrence play again that anytime you can do something like that where it's just you the whole way through you know you knock it down you grab it you turn around and run with it and you put it in the end zone that's a lot easier to rely on that kind kind of thing than it is to rely on your garden variety interception. So there's just too many things that have to go right for you. And it's even more true with fumbles than it is with interceptions. And as you pointed out, you know, you're not getting Baker Mayfield in the playoffs. I mean, somebody might get Carson Wentz, so that could get interesting. (laughs) But um, for the most part, well, you know, you could get Stafford, Stafford, there's that. Um, And I I love Matthew Stafford, but it's not been great. But I just think good teams make less mistakes. And so you have to make a good play then to get a turnover instead of just being able to capitalize on somebody else's errors. That does play into it. 
A hundred percent. And as as we were talking, the NFC standings were or the playoff race actually was up on the Monday Night Football screen. And I was sitting there looking like, yeah, if you end up and we see a Cowboys team matched up with a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Matthew Stafford, can you maybe depend on a couple interceptions coming your way? Absolutely. Uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, maybe not so much. Like, again, I think there's something to be said for can your defense thrive both a, creating those turnovers for sure, but also if you go up against a team like a, a Tom Brady or even a Kyler Murray in this scenario that is not going to turn the ball over as frequently, what else can you do for me? Like, if, if you need the big turnover to win the game, that's great. The Cowboys is as good at creating them as anybody, but at the same time, if you're going to have an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or a Cardinals-type offense that just is, is not going to play into your hands in quite the same way, uh, can, can you play press man coverage and, and shut me down even if I'm not all right, we're going to take a second to reset. This is three and out. We're National NFL Podcast. Normally, go twice a week wherever you get your podcasts uh, pre- with pre-recorded shows. We have key takeaways on Monday. That's already up in our feeds yeah, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. You know all that, all that good stuff. iHeart, whatever. Um, we also have a midweek big show where we get a big name guest. Um, last week we got Nui Scruggs of NBC Five in Dallas Fort Worth, who also does the Cowboys' official podcast, The Players' Lounge, and the timing was awesome because he dropped a ton of great quotes and insights and bombs just in time for the Cowboys to make themselves the sort of team of the week, the sort of toast of the NFL world. So stay tuned for what we've got coming this week. We also put this show, our live show, in our feed. So if you get up on stage tonight, you make a comment, you make a question, put the question in the chat, then you will get on our show. Click Voices, we love three and out. We love you guys. You guys are fantastic. It's been so fun, so much fun hanging out with you on halftime. Uh, it's five minutes, 24 seconds left in the second quarter. Normally, halftime of the game itself is when we really throw it open to you guys, get you up on stage. I saw a bunch of you just came in. So if you do have any questions, you want to get, get up on stage, you want to drop something in the chat, we will react to it. Uh, in the meantime... Until we see that, guys, um, talking about the playoff picture here, and this is the hobby horse I've been riding. We did talk about it a little bit on Key Takeaways. The Miami Dolphins were 1-7 and seven at one point this year, and they got on a streak. Tua Tagovailoa started popping up in my queries in terms of quarterback efficiency and, and how well he's playing and how well he's playing in high leverage spots. Total QBR, all this stuff. Hey, we got to start talking about Tua Tagovailoa. We got to start talking about the Miami Dolphins because they are making themselves relevant. And I looked at 538.com's uh, uh, scenario calculator with the ELO projections and, and matchup, and you can plug in different results for different games. And I'm like, guys, like they're going to be favored in every game they play until the Saints Monday night game. And then even that at that point was a toss up. And now, of course, given the way things have shaken out, they're a favorite and they're up 10 nothing coming up on halftime. Like, they're gonna, this is a team that's going to have a winning record in the new year and, and in the mix in the playoffs, in the mix in the AFC. And I'm just fascinated. I want this worst to first turnaround to happen so badly. Um, Let's let's say let's operate on the presumption from here that does happen though that the you know the Saints are going to do everything they can to try and bring it within a field goal before halftime. Mm-hmm. Let's say they win this. You got the Patriots left and the Bills left. What do you guys think? Can they make to the playoffs? Because they're going to have to beat at least one of those two teams to do it. And if they're in there, 
can they make any kind of noise or is it just going to be the, hey, you won the right to get whooped in the one? Uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to get crushed. <laughs> um, I, some of these uh, lesser seeds are kind of intriguing to me. Um, we've talked a lot about the 49ers and how we think they might be a tough out. Uh, if they get in, certainly the Colts will be a tough out as a wild card. Um, I don't even know if we can really call them a lesser seed at this point. Uh, but look, I I hate to be, if I'm Miami, I, you're in a little bit of a rough position here because you're sort of relying probably on somebody else kind of phoning it in a little bit to get a win there if that's what's left on your schedule. Because you, you said it was it's Buffalo and the Patriots, right? Those are the last two games that they have left, Ty? Okay, I'm going to assume that yes. that's right. Sorry, okay. I was in the middle um, of replying in the chat. Yes, I'm, I'm almost fine. Yeah, so I mean that's okay. Then maybe maybe in week eighteen you get somebody who's sitting your starters. But the problem is is that those two are too close together. So you're unlikely to get somebody just going, Well, we're done. We're gonna sit everybody in the final week of the season. So you're not gonna catch any breaks. And we've talked a lot in the past about how Miami always steals one from the Patriots, like every year, like no matter how good the Patriots are, Miami can steal one. But I don't think that's how this is going to go here. And I, I believe Miami beat New England at the beginning of the season also. So I think that was their one. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a tough road and I am rooting for them mostly tie so that your, um, your, your article can um, <laughs> kind of <Yes. laughs> fully flower, but I, it's a tough draw. It's just a shame you didn't get the jets for one of those last two. That's too bad. Yeah, and for whether or not they make it, I think Samantha's right. It is almost dependent on those teams essentially rolling over and and uh, playing dead uh, in one of the last weeks. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. So even if you get to the playoffs, this is still a pretty flawed Dolphins team. Uh, we were talking about after a couple of weeks, like why is the defense so terrible? You know, Brian Flores was supposed to have these things figured out by now. He's had sort of his grace period. Uh, like, like, let's get going. Like the defense was supposed to be improved, not worse. And you let some players walk like... Kyle Van Noy, who went back to the Patriots and now all of a sudden looks like a stud again. You had a lot of underachieving players earlier on in the season, which are all, again, now we, we've seen that turn happen. But they've had a pretty advantageous schedule for the last couple of weeks. Uh, they've had some things go right, like Ian Book being the starting quarterback against them, which is not a sentence that should be uttered in the English language in 2021. Uh, not about a team playing Notre Dame. So the problem with the Dolphins getting to the playoffs is, A, again, your offense is just dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Like, you're going to have to eventually score more than 10 or 15 points against teams that are good, not, you know, score 20 points and, and sit back and protect a lead. B, the, the defense is still underachieving. Like, the defense is, is better than it looked early on in the season, but they're still not the team that we expected them to be defensively. So... Again, when you're going up against some of the top seeds, if you go up, like, even like a Titans team, the, the Titans would run roughshod. If yeah. the Titans play like they played yeah. against the 49ers this week, they would run roughshod over this Dolphins team. Yeah, and I, 
I, I, as much as I want to believe, as much as I want to believe it's 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 real and it's going to happen, and and, and you know, just pure momentum and great uniforms are going to carry the Dolphins over the finish line. Uh, yeah, the going up against Buffalo, New England, uh, you can only just hope you're going to catch one of them on an off week, or there's going to be a COVID type thing, uh, and you can play close, keep it close. Uh, for the record, uh, the Saints were not able. Uh, to, to, to get a touchdown there. They get away with a field goal after trying the old no-play offside draw on a fourth and two. So now it's 10 to three. Maybe Miami does something here with the last few seconds left in this half. Probably going to be 10 to three as we go into halftime. Again, that's when we turn the stage over to you guys. Anybody has any questions, any comments? Again, throwing it open to the whole NFL, not just the Saints, not just the Dolphins, not just the AFC and this crowded crowded playoff picture they've put up on the screen right now um but we you know whatever your favorite team is whatever your question is throw it at us and uh we will definitely react and give you our takes lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no we're going up here and, you know, it's really interesting as we start to preview this sort of coaching, you know, higher fire cycle, the coach, coaching carousel is going to spin up some coaches that we've got, you know, on, on the potential hot seat. Looks like Brian Flores has probably saved his job. Hard to believe it. You know, if he gets above 500, that seems like it's going to buy him another year. Uh, but there are some coaches out there that are, are <laughs> just marking time. I guess I'll start broadly if it's if it's your Carolina, you're David Tepper, and you're looking at Matt Rule, and you're going, dude, you've you've lost the plot completely. You've got no answers. I look stupid. You sound stupid. Uh, do you, like, is there an advantage to firing in the middle of the season? Is there an advantage to trying to get a jump on interviews? Um, is is there an advantage to cutting bait with someone when you know you're just playing out the string? Or is it is it actually a disadvantage to you know have that embarrassment, have that press conference, put you know put an interim guy who's almost certainly the you know lieutenant 
you know, the right hand general of the person you just fired and said wasn't good enough. You know, like if you're gonna go make Daryl Bevel try and, and and walk the plank for Urban Meyer for the second time in a row, I saw somebody being out there like Joe Joe Judge. We have to get Daryl Bevel to replace Jason Garrett as Joe Judge's offensive coordinator, so he can be an interim head coach for the third year in a row. You know, like it. What do you guys think? What's the better approach? I think it depends on the situation because if you have like an Urban Meyer type situation, yeah. you got to yeah. do it now. Like that's like if you have a coach who is actively toxic to your team, he yeah. needs to go sooner than later. I, I don't know that I would put Matt Rule in that category. He's probably somewhere in between. The guy at the other end of the spectrum, sort of the anti-Urban Meyer, is if we talk about maybe Pete Carroll, I don't think they're going to fire oh. him, but you know, oh, retire yeah. him out. Oh, yeah. You know, like you would never do that, right? Because the problem with this guy is not that he is, I mean, we've talked a lot on this show about how he's a little out of touch, but like nobody hates Pete Carroll. Nobody thinks Pete Carroll is poisoning this franchise. So you never fire a guy like that in the middle of the season, no matter what, even if you'd like to get a jump on your coaching search. So I think it's probably more dependent on the situation. I mean, and then there's the Matt Nagy debacle, which to me, that looks fairly toxic um but the problem is is that is toxic all the way up into the front office so i don't know that you necessarily fire him now because you know you're part of the problem too and some of that is I think at stake as well, um, you know, how connected are the coach and the front office in terms of how they feel about each other and how tied to each other are they in terms of who is responsible for whose successes or failures. Um, but if you want to come back to rule, I, they should fire him. They need to. I mean, the invisible football team quote today was kind of last or yesterday, I guess I should say was the last nail in the coffin to me. But I don't know that there's really an advantage in firing him now. I don't know that it really helps you all that much in terms of getting a leg up on the coaching search. I think it helps you to choose your guy early once people start picking because then you're in a position where you can have your first pick of the assistants and you can start your prep for next year and blah, blah. But I, I don't know that canning a guy in December is really all that advantageous. And with the new rules, like you can start talking to people sooner rather than later. But if you're talking to some of these coordinators who are playing playoff football, they're not going anywhere. Like you get to talk to them, but you're not going to start the hiring process or start getting them in the door. Even, even probably get them to say less or say yes when their team is in the playoff hunt and they've got a job to do. Um, what's always interesting to me is when we start talking about these things generally, there's always like interesting team-specific things that, that go on. Like with Urban Meyer, you can ask, uh, you know, anyone from that staff. Like he did not have a ton of his guys on staff. So much of that Jaguar staff was sort of like Jaguars Southeast for, for like a really weird reason. Like Schottenheiber was not his guy. You know, there, there were not long ties to Daryl Bevel in Urban Meyer. Like Daryl Bevel was not uh, Matt Patricia's guy either. Like these were totally different coaching trees that were sort of coming together in Detroit than coming together in the Jaguars. So you don't have to worry about handing it off to someone who speaks the same, you know, runs the same schemes, is, you know, super tied to, like will end up at the next job with that guy anyway. So so Daryl Bevel was a very 
handy guy to hand off to. I don't think you have a guy like that in Carolina. Uh, you had Joe Brady, and you got rid of Joe Brady first. So um, I don't know if you've got those guys. Uh, Nagy, again, is a guy who probably has a lot of his guys around him, unless you're really in love with Sean Desai and, or you know planning to keep him around after Nagy is gone. Like I don't, I don't know if you have a coordinator you can just hand it over to. So there's like that interesting sort of balancing act. The other big one for me, and I will remember this until the day I die, that back when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were trying to sort of wrap their minds around what to do at the end of Raheem Morris's tenure, they literally looked at their team and said, if we lose Raheem, we don't have enough warm bodies to run a competent NFL practice. And it was sort of well known, like the last three or four weeks of that season, like the, the staff was so small that... We physically cannot do this. He's just, like, he is a dead man walking, but we need him just to be around to, like, run a practice. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not even an NFL <laughs> franchise at that point. Um, so, there, I'm looking at the Bears again. Like, I don't think the Bears have, like, a, a huge shortage of coaches, but they're also not, like, awash with cash. So, are they going to pay Matt Nagy, uh, you know, money to coach when he's not coaching when it's not like they've got a gigantic staff either? They're not, they don't want to pay people to do a job that they're not doing because they're not, like, a David Tepper with just money coming out of, you know, every orifice. Yeah, that's a fascinating point, too. I think for me, generally speaking, as soon as you know it's going to be different, make it be different. You know, as soon as you know that this is not going to work is is when you need to start thinking about moving on. And I, I think especially, and I've, I've brought this up a couple times, it's like when you have these like week by week, you know, social media and print media and cable media, like, oh, if 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 the Giants win or lose this game, does that save Joe Judge's job? Oh, if the Lions, if the Giants win or lose this game, does that save Joe Judge's job? Oh, like if if the Giants win, and it's like guys, I you know, if you're sitting there going each individual win or loss is Judge Jury and Executioner on the next five years or three years or however many years are left on Joe Judge's conduct, like the answer is no, like no, uh, unless that's going to be the beginning of a multi-game streak. Like with Flores, you know, he's sitting there at one and seven and people are, all right, Flores is out, you know, okay. So you win seven in a row that changes the conversation. But, but so often there's this, everybody knows this is done. Everybody knows this is not working. You know, what are you gaining by keeping it the same? And then, but Samantha and, and Shadi, both of you guys bring up great points in that it's, it's team by team. You know, you are not going to put, Pete Carroll out on the breadline at Christmas. You know, like, this is a guy who's brought that franchise, that organization, that city so much and been a class act all along the way, as far as anybody knows, publicly and privately. So, I, you know, you, you do not do him the discourtesy. And then there are, other, there are other people you just need to get the hell out of town before they do any more damage. And I, I think there's the other examples in that realm is, you know, the, the res- level of respect that I think the Broncos have for Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. I think he very well could be a dead man walking, but I don't think they're going to get rid of him before the end of the season. I also think there's a chance that, you know, they want to seriously have those conversations not in the heat of the moment. The same thing with the Vikings and uh, Mike Zimmer. Uh, Mike Zimmer has done a lot of good 
for that franchise, but it's also pretty clear that he's not going to ever lead that team to anything more than maybe yeah. an early playoff exit. So, um, you know, those are guys too where, you know, nothing Nagy has done or Matt Rule has done or even Joe Judge has done, even though he's getting more benefit of the doubt than any of these guys. Um, you know, it, it's not, it's that's sort of a like Pete Carroll light situation where, sure, they did not do a ton for the franchise ever but eh, they're also not so egregiously bad that you need to kick yeah so this is an interesting point because you have denver now in this interesting you know quasi championship caliber defense and then you've got you know, some pieces on offense quarterback seems to be in turmoil teddy bridgewater was good enough ish for a little bit but now you know, what do you do? How do you turn the page there that keeps what's good going, but also fixes, you know, it brings in somebody who can change things and, and move things around. And I saw a couple people thought, ah, oh, here we go. Like trade Aaron Rodgers, right? Like this is the Aaron Rodgers trade. And uh, then, then Peter King floated this unbelievably specific and detailed like five point plan was like, Hey, I don't know anything about anything, but wouldn't it be funny if, and then laid out like, okay, you trade Aaron Rodgers, this pick and this pick goes here. This contract is signed. You Devante Adams agrees. The free agency comes here. And then the package going back to green Bay includes Jerry Judy and blah, 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 just like all this stuff all the way laid out. And like, you know, exquisite detail <laughs> this seems like a really interesting and and specific uh, uh trade package you just came up with out of nowhere uh allegedly not knowing anything most connected reporter in in football uh <laughs> i wonder uh what 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 inspired this uh so i guess look, look, let's just stay on denver for a minute here let's say that something like this is in the works or, or that you know that something like this could be in the works. And you're like, Vic Fangio is probably not the guy. But if we can add Eric Rogers to this and a couple more pieces, it, it could be good enough, right? Like, or do you have to change it? How do you, can you, can, do you take a demotion? What do you think, Samantha? Uh, with all due respect to Peter King, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. Um, mm. I I don't buy it. Uh, I mean, I realize it changes every, I don't know, three months or so when he needs attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also the Denver thing got big because it's another piece of this is, you know, the, the girlfriend, fiance, whatever it is, holistic healer, vaccine, fake vaccine maker, mm, whatever yes, she is. Yes. Um, her family is from Denver. What do you think the odds are he's going to be engaged to that girl still by next year? <laughs> this guy who can't maintain a relationship with anyone for more than like six months? He's not going to Denver. I don't buy it. If you really want to fix the Broncos, though, I, Vic Fangio can stay as far as I'm concerned. This is how you fix the Broncos. You light the front office on fire until they all run out of the building and then you change the locks. That's how you fix the Broncos. So the, the interesting wrinkle here is the report from this past weekend was that Peyton Manning is reportedly looking at options to join uh, an ownership group to help buy a portion oh. of the Broncos that would make him 
at least in the conversation. And if you're going to have Peyton Manning in the building, you're going to use Peyton Manning in his big old brain to figure out some of this stuff. Um, because Pat Bolin is not going to be like the head of that ownership or the sort of the day-to-day -day owner of that team uh, moving forward. So my thought is that if the Aaron Rodgers, or sorry, if the Peyton Manning thing does happen, there are going to be some talented people who would want to be in that building and Peyton Manning would woo to that building. So if you've got some situations where Aaron Rodgers lets it be known that he is an open commodity, because I agree with Samantha, I don't think he necessarily is going anywhere, but I also, I keep falling back on the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not Green Bay. Like, he's played there, and he's had his fantastic career there, um, but he continually looks like he is, you know, drawn towards Hollywood, drawn towards the West Coast, drawn towards bigger cities, does not like spending time in a place where you have to drive to Appleton just to get a flight out. Like, like that's just a weird sort of dichotomy, and, and the longer he's there, the more he just looks like, it, it doesn't even matter what the Packers front office does or what the team does, he just doesn't want to spend the rest of his life in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's not even like a major city in any way, shape, or form. It is a tiny, just above a town, tiny city in northern Wisconsin in the middle of nowhere where it is colder than Aaron Rodgers ever wants to be again. So... I was going to say, Shadi, a flight out, you need to drive to Appleton to get to Chili's. Like, <laughs> you know... Not quite as bad as it was during Brett Favre's heyday, but yeah, it, but it yeah. is it's, it's pretty close. Like, yeah, you, like you're eating at Culver's if you're staying in Green Bay. Um, the I 100% believe what Samantha said is that the winds will change probably two or three times. Right now, he absolutely seems like he's going to stay a Packer, and when you're a Packer, you're a Packer for life. He's he's living and dying by that credo right now. But I also think. You stick a, a situation involved where you've got Peyton Manning, who he's good buddies with, sort of, you know, wooing him behind the scenes. And I think there's a chance that he could want to go somewhere. I also think there's a chance Russell Wilson could end up there. Um, I think that's more dependent on if Vic Fangio stays, because Vic Fangio is not the sort of guy who's bringing in, like, a high-powered offensive mind to his staff. He doesn't want to throw the ball 50 times a game. He does not want to groom a young passer. He wants just a guy who can take care of the football. So uh, he needs an Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl. He needs a Russell Wilson to win a Super Bowl. There's equal amount of chance that the Broncos say, hey, we're so terrible. Let's, like Samantha said, light it all on fire and start over. We can start over with a great defense, but we need to start over with, you know, building from scratch and not drafting the same terrible Elway uh you know, quarterback that he's been drafting every single time that he's had a bite at the ample. And now you've got a good, you, you essentially did light the front office on fire hiring George Payton this past offseason. So I think there is a chance that they could have brighter days ahead. I just don't see Vic Fangio at his age with what he's done so far in the NFL. I don't see him being a part of that. And I think that's where a team like Denver and similar to Zimmer up in, in Minnesota, where you have to go from where you are right now your, your head coach will not be a part of that conversation. Like, if you're a year or two away, those guys are. But Vic Fangio is not coaching this team to a Super Bowl because they are three or four years away, and he doesn't have three or four years left. Yeah, so uh, a half an hour after we said 
uh, that 10 to three is probably going to how it be how it finishes here in the end of the first half. There's still four seconds left in the first half. We're still approaching actual halftime. Um, and, and, and uh, dolphins are trying to get, I think it was just a 59 yarder that they just attempted, got iced beforehand. Looked like it would have been good, but didn't count. They're going to line back up for it. Uh, click boy said, I want to know your guys' predictions on the Cowboys Cardinals game next Sunday. Obviously fascinating matchup. Two teams with arrows are pointing in different directions. Um, uh, Shadi, you're still unmuted. So I'm going to throw. I was not unmuted. What, what is what is with your uh, what is with your system That's, there? I was okay, totally the muted. The halftime app has the little mute there, the little microphone with the slash through icon, and I did not see that on yours, but I, I did see it well, on Samantha's. So. I will ab- I will absolutely make that happen. Um, but looks like did Ice the Kicker just work? Ice and the Kicker just worked. I hate the NFL. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> That's not supposed to be a thing. Um, anyway, my predictions. I think. Cowboys are going to win that game. Uh, can the Cardinals absolutely win it? I'm going to take a closer look at this after I rewatch a couple of games and, and look at the stats and all that. Absolutely. So I will reserve my right to change this pick over the next like 48 hours. But right now, like as much as the Cardinals looked like world beaters like four weeks ago, Cowboys look every bit that much of a world beater right now. I do not see that trend changing. There would have to be some pretty serious issues, as there were with the Cardinals. The Cardinals are now without New Hopkins, which they weren't a month ago. Um, Kyler Murray is not playing up to snuff. That defense has not been able to sort of shoulder the load. Uh, Because of all of that, the Cardinals have taken a step down. I would need to see, you know, Cowboys... You know, taking some of those same steps down to start doubting them, and I, I do not see that happening. I, I see them pre- beating the Cardinals, and honestly, I mean, it's just, it's just how bad it is. Like, are they a touchdown better than the Cardinals right now? Probably. Can the Cardinals play them closer than that? Absolutely. But I could see just as good of a, a scenario where they're probably two, three touchdowns better. Like, they could absolutely run away with that game because that offense and that defense, you know. Are both top five, or top five to top ten units? They just seem to be headed in different directions, and everything is going right for the Cowboys right now, and nothing is going right for the Cardinals. And but I come back to something we talked about a little bit in key takeaways on the podcast, which is that Arizona just kind of can't seem to overcome anything. They really continue to get into these positions where once, if everything's going right, they're fine. They can maintain, but they just can't seem to right themselves once things start to slide. And Dallas is not going to be the kind of team that's going to let you jump out to a giant lead and cruise. It's it's just not going to happen. They're too good of an opponent. And we talked about how Prater has sort of gotten himself into a funk. He can't get out of. Kyler struggles with this. Cliff's play calling seems to fall into this category as well. And I say this as somebody who really likes Cliff Kingsbury and actually thinks he's a lot better than a lot of his detractors seem to think, but the, I mean, the Rodney Hudson thing is really, really killing me. I mean, it's again, we, we talked yeah. a little bit earlier about, you know, New Hopkins and oh, they were too reliant on him. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, you know, he's a generational talent. You're going to be reliant on him and it's fine. But they had so much talent 
down the board at receiver that, you know, Andy Isabella got shoved out. You know, there were guys who, like, looked pretty darn good at the bottom of the depth chart at the beginning of that se- of the season. And it just hasn't worked out that way. Um, you know, A.J. Green. And, and, and they were also, to be fair, without Connor, without Rondell Moore this past week as well. But the Rodney Hudson thing is really, really worrying me. We've seen several botch snaps. I think Kyler, and he looks a little lost out there. That might be the biggest stumbling block for the Cardinals right now, which I think really puts the Cowboys in the catbird seat to just kind of, well, okay, maybe this isn't going to be nearly as difficult of a game to win as it would have been if they'd had to play it in like week six or seven. So Rodney Hudson just like a couple of hours ago was activated from the COVID list. So he's back uh, potentially for this game. Obviously, you know, stuff happens, um, especially in today's NFL. But I think what Samantha's keying in on, which I absolutely where I want to go from here, is the difference between the Cardinals team that we saw when they were going on a run and the Cardinals team we're seeing now is guys they've depended on. James Conner at running back, New Hopkins at receiver, Rodney Hudson at center. They, they couldn't depend on those guys because, you know, the best ability is availability. And, and every team has players go down for various reasons, especially in the COVID era. Other good franchises have players you can count on after that. And all those botched snaps by Garcia, you cannot count on him. when It's not about him being less good than Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson is, is better than most NFL centers. So anyone there would probably be less good. You just can't. But there's no between being less good and you just can't depend on a dude. You can't depend on a guy who can't snap the ball to Kyler Murray. Uh, A.J. Green. This team was really trying to depend on A.J. Green, and he sleptwalked through two straight games where he barely looked like he was trying to play NFL football. And we saw that for stretches in his previous stop. But we didn't see that when he was considered one of the best receivers in the NFL and they tried to bring him one of the best receivers in the NFL and turn him back around, but he was playing more like towards the end of his Bengals career. Um, you just have so many guys, uh, Chase Edmonds, good player, not James Connor. So when you can't depend on the guys who are backing up your starters, that means you need a deeper team. And, and I think this goes back to something I said during key takeaways where it's one thing to be, a good team it's another thing to be a great franchise and i think the cardinals are a franchise that's on the rise they're doing the right things they're making the right moments but they're having some of their success a little early and we all got way too excited about their early success and we didn't realize that this team is still probably two years away from putting together the sort of chiefs machine buccaneers machine Steelers machine that we're that we're used to seeing from teams that look that good on the field, but that's because those teams not only have the starting caliber talent, but they've you know consistently built cultures. They consistently built teams their way. They do not have to bring in guys in the off season to sort of play the AJ Green role. They've got guys that are coming up through the ranks doing that. Um, they've got guys like uh, the the Packers receivers who just consistently get better, and we write them off, and then it's like two years later we're talking about you know. Valdez Scantling as, as a good player when two years ago it was like, well, this guy is, is not the guy. Um, let's get rid of him and draft someone else. No, good franchises bring these guys in the building, they mature them, and the Cardinals just aren't there yet. And so we got all excited about how good they were, but I think we need to sort of reset expectations and say, they're still a good team. They're just a couple years away. I'm not sure they're a couple ye- 
you know, they're maybe a year away, maybe a season away. I, I think they're building something really, really cool there. And I think the fact that it is coming together quickly is evidence of how quickly it's coming together. Um, but for this game, I'm not ready to write the Cardinals off just yet. They're too good a team to drop four in a row. They are, you know, they've, they've been mentally tough. This, remember, this is a team that lost Kyler for three games and won two with Colt McCoy. And the third one they dropped because Colt McCoy got knocked out early and they had to go one rung deeper on the quarterback depth chart. Like, I, I've, you know, we were all talking about after that, hey, like, you know, we doubted the Cardinals. Well, here's their storm and they weathered it, right? Well, you know, that wasn't their storm, but they did weather a storm. And I, I still think there's more to be seen from this Cardinals team. Another quirk, Cardinals are three and four at home at this point, still seven and one on the road. Maybe that just speaks to uh, like their schedule has been more stacked and they've had a lot more adversity in this point in the season and they've played more games on the road at that point. Uh, But this game is, is going to be on the road. And and I think this is going to give them an opportunity to kind of, to reset and, and take it to a Cowboys team coming off a massive, massive blowout divisional win. You know, is there any better time to get a good team after they've just had, you know, a big win, an emotional win, a divisional win, a blowout win, I, you know, and especially when you are desperate and you are hungry and you know you've got to win to continue to have the season that you're having. I'm, I got to see more about some of the matchups. I got to see some of the numbers. Looked a little bit, um, you know, like 538's ELO projections has this five and a half points toward the Cowboys. Um, but I, I'm not ready to count the Cardinals out of that matchup just yet. Folks, it's it's halftime. It's 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 nine fifty. We got ten minutes left in the hour. Um, does anybody have any other questions? Does anybody want to get on stage? We haven't had anybody try and take the stage yet tonight. Um, absolutely open to anybody. Oh, Clickboy wants to jump in. Absolutely happy to have you. And of course, I'm sure you're going to want to respond to some of the stuff we just said. I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all? Uh, we are excellent. Uh, so what what did you want to talk? So, I know that I just talked about this last week and the week before that and then probably the week before that, but <laughs> I'm just wondering that I'm just I'm just making sure that your guys' opinions on the Cowboys has haven't changed about their playoff and Super Bowl contention chances and all of that. Yeah, I think, you know, some of the stuff we just talked about, you know, this is a team that again, and I've said this before, rewind a year and a few weeks uh, rewind a year and change and we are using words like laughing stock to describe mike mccarthy we are talking about how mike mccarthy you know mike mccarthy was last year's matt rule where we're like this guy is getting fired like super fired he has lost his team he's lost his direction he's out of touch He's learned nothing since Green Bay. All those articles about how he's learning about analytics, blah, 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 not happening, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the change in defensive coordinator, I think Dan Quinn has done an unbelievable job recognizing that, making that change. This past game, uh, and then like Samantha said, I said this on Key Takeaways, the fact that we got a boat race out of this team, that they were able to hit the gas and just hang a 50 burger on somebody 
means a lot because they weren't able to do that against the Giants. They weren't able to do that against some of these other weaker teams. I've been waiting for Dak Prescott to go throw a bunch of touchdown passes, waiting for Zeke Elliott to eat, truly go out there and eat like he used to be able to do. We've finally seen that. It's great timing uh, with the offense, and it's great with the defense. We talked about this earlier at the top of the hour, that the defense is stacked with playmakers who are making plays. So I think for this year, they are as scary and complete. All right. And, um, yeah, it's especially – it's really nice knowing that Dak still has it and the calf injury has not ruined his – ruined, like, the rest of his career. And right. Like, not letting him uh, go as at the same caliber as he was uh, from weeks one through six. Yeah, shout out to you, Samantha. Well, and I think, go ahead. Yeah, I think that was a legitimate concern for a while. I mean, uh, I was worried about uh, it. And, and there was a point where his mechanics looked a little bit wonky in a way that made you think, ah, the calf, this is a problem. And I got worried that even if he was healthy, the injury had caused him to change his mechanics slightly. And it's so hard to fix that in season that even if he was going to be okay, ultimately worried a little bit that like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a problem and they're not going to be able to do anything about it this year. And when push comes to shove and we get into playoff competition and then he kind of just ended up being fine. So I think that's a, a huge load off. I mean, I personally still have a lot of concerns about Mike McCarthy in the sense that if we get into a clock management situation, because we still see this as good as they have been over the last, I don't know, however many games. I mean, as recently as a, a week ago or just over a week ago, there was a boneheaded clock management issue and I thought ah there it is there it is there's the thing that we have to keep an eye on that if they get into a situation where it comes down to how you manage the clock I don't know I might tie them up and throw them in the equipment cage and say okay Dan Quinn <laughs> Kellen Moore whoever you are making the calls from here on out <laughs> yeah when when you look at the Dallas Cowboys I think the Cardinals game this weekend is sort of the next big test like, you want to see them clear these tests out of the way. Um, but I think you also, you know, I, I will compare them to a team like the, you know, a, a team like the Colts. You look back at the Colts' schedule, and there's just not a bad loss on the Colts' schedule. You look mm. back, and you see the teams that they've played close. You see the teams that they've beaten, and it's like, and, and then you see the teams that they've lost to, and every loss is like, okay, yeah, but that was a close game, and they went toe-to-toe with, like, the NFL's best there. Uh, then you look back at the Cowboys schedule and it's like, yeah, but they, they you know, only beat the Washington football team by seven points earlier on in the year. Uh, they, you know, lost to the Raiders. Like, there are still some question marks, like only four to the Vikings, uh, lost to the Broncos almost inexplicably. So, or totally inexplicably. So, there are still question marks, and do we see some of those things creep back up? Um, you know, do we see, you know, obviously Dak Prescott needs to remain healthy. They need to protect him. Uh, obviously that running game needs to still, you know, like I said, take over a little bit, uh, when it needs to, but, uh, there are still question marks, I think for the Dallas Cowboys. And when they're going up toe to toe with the NFL's best, I still am not a hundred percent bought in that they are the best team in the NFL. 
but are they one of the best teams in the NFL? I think that was answered with a resounding yes uh, this past week, and I think it will be even more underscored if and when they beat the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Yeah, and I think to me, that's what was, okay, go toe-to-toe with NFL's best, especially on the NFC side. I think the Packers are really the only other good-to-great team that is ascendant right now, like on the up. It, you know, you look at the Rams, you look at the Cardinals, uh, you, you're looking for any other team where you're like, I'm, I'm afraid of this team. Like, they're a great super stacked team and talented. Like, we, we talked earlier, the 49ers were making a case to be on that list. And, you know, I, I thought they were being underrated severely by just about everybody. Uh, and the news came across the wire actually a few minutes ago that I saw on the ticker that Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, suffered a, a torn ligament and a fracture in that thumb. This is not a minor thing. We're almost certainly in for the Trey Lance show from here on out. That could be positive. That could be negative. It's probably going to be a mixed bag in any given game, but it's certainly a change for a team that's been playing very well. So it's like, you know, I have question marks about the Cowboys, and I have I've, I have some question marks about the Packers, and I have a lot of question marks about the Rams and the Cardinals at this point. So so who who do you look at and say, oh no no, this team is sweet. They're going to roll, and uh, I mean there are some, but I think they're all in the AFC. Yeah, I agree with you, and I I am very concerned about the Packers. I mean, they've barely gotten out alive two uh-huh. weeks in a row against teams that uh-huh. were, like, destroyed by COVID and injuries. Like, two, like, very mediocre, flailing AFC North teams that can't do anything right, and they barely survived it. I mean, it essentially, like, look what happened with the Browns. Like, Baker Mayfield had to throw four interceptions in. Four and if the Browns, I was just about to say. Yeah. And if the Browns hadn't missed an extra point <laughs> on the first, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that game would have turned out, which is really frightening because the Browns are not good. They're not good. Um, and the Ravens are just ravaged by injury and disease and, and everything else that can go wrong. And the backers are like barely surviving them. So I'm not even sure I'm putting them in that category. So yeah, I mean, it's okay. You're going to have to face somebody super scary from the AFC probably, but you have a much easier path than you would if you were in the other conference, because you're right. I mean, I think there are a number of teams in the NFC right now who when they are at their best, are terrifying. I mean, look at the Rams. If the Rams are clicking, yeah, that's a very scary team to face. But that's not necessarily what we have seen consistently from them. And I just, there's not really another team out there that scares me that much in the NFC. I mean, I think you have to be careful. You don't want to start looking past people, but... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, where, where are we at on Tampa? That's that's the other question, I guess. Where, where are we at with Tampa Bay right now with the injuries? I, I think Tampa Bay is, is in that same boat where, you know, they need every single NFL or NFC team is in the boat where either they need almost perfect games from their quarterbacks to succeed or, uh, you know, they're a team like 49ers where they're almost winning de- – independent of their quarterback like their quarterback doesn't need to be good uh los angeles the rams we just saw that their quarterback doesn't need to be good because they're just that good around it so it, it does a team like uh tampa bay which has a really good team around it but now is, is just beset by injuries do they need perfect games from tom brady 
when, oh, fine, in the playoffs, that's usually the sort of Tom Brady we get, but can you really throw that team up against a Dallas team that is firing on all cylinders and expect the Buccaneers to win? I don't. I don't know if you can throw that team up against the Vikings and expect them to win because uh, you've got to have that super team around Tom Brady for them to have any shot in this playoffs. And, and as, as we said last week on the show, like it was almost like within a 90-minute period, that entire team went down, and they're not going to get all those guys back at full speed for the playoffs. Yeah, well, you know what? You guys have been at full speed all night, and I mean everybody in the audience as well as Shadi and Samantha. It is 10.01. It is past our hour, and we have... Uh, some of the weirdest timing yet in any of these halftime shows the third quarter just started like we just got out of halftime uh, but uh i'll be excited I, I think we know how this one is gonna end up but i think it's gonna take a while for everybody to get there in the meantime thank you guys for showing up and showing out jumping on stage sending in questions uh liking sharing sending things out on the halftime app we'd love to do this it's, it's a blast we look forward to it every week and uh, we look forward to continuing to, to provide this content to you. Make sure you guys follow us on social media. We're at 3OutPod on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. We're going to try and get on the gram uh, shortly here this week. Um, we are available, the podcast, you know, this night, everything that happened tonight, it's going to be recorded. It's going to be up on the feed shortly. And that goes in the feed with our other two weekly shows, Key Takeaways, which just went up a little bit every Monday. And then the big show, we interview a big guest and we pick the entire slate of NFL games straight up and against the spread, courtesy of PickWatch.com. Make sure you subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, uh, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, our Spreaker homepage. And we are now on Alexa, uh, Alexa Music. Um, so on, through Amazon, I got some people listening through that already. So you can ask Alexa for us. I don't know exactly what the magic words are to get Alexa to start putting the three of us in your ears, but I know you can do it. And we're gonna we're gonna put some emphasis on that going forward. So thank you guys again. Make sure you tune in to the big show midweek, and we will see you back here shortly on Three and Out, your national NFL podcast.